Welcome to Navigating the Modern World. I am your host, Kimberly Johnson. I am a life coach and a sex coach. This podcast was made for you, for you to get the most out of your life. We as human beings are made to win. This podcast offers a perspective in life that has you win, no matter what the challenge or outer circumstances you find yourself in. If you want to learn more about my work, you can go to KimberlyCoaching.com. Hello and welcome to episode 128 of Navigating the Modern World. I have two amazing guests. You get two. Um, one is my boyfriend, Jordan, whom you have heard before. Hello. And the second, if you guys can believe this, is my best friend. And her name is Meg. Megan, do you want to, which one do you want to go by on this podcast? Let's go with Megan. Megan. Her name is Megan Blankenship. She is a rad writer, and she lives in the South. I won't give details, but she lives in the South. She lives around where I'm from, and I have both of them in my living room. I am the luckiest woman in the world. All right, anyway, so today we're going to talk about control, um... We're going to probably go more in detail about specifically how thinking and maybe even overthinking are a form of trying to control things in your life. So to kind of begin the podcast and just begin the juicy conversation, um, I'm going to pose the question to both of y'all. If you were to kind of like look at your life and think about your life, your current life, or maybe the past even, um... What are some things that you guys do that you're aware of as a form of trying to control things? And I don't care who starts. I think you should. I think you've thought more about this. <laughs> I thought the day. about it right now. <laughs> um, you know, so when you asked that, I thought of two specific things. One is like my environment, but I kind of mean like time and place. Like I want to make sure that all of the time in the day is accounted for, like, you know, I'm going to be doing this specific thing at this specific time, kind of throughout the day, and, like, I want it to end by 10 o'clock, because that's when bedtime is, but, like, counting back from 10, there's, like, hang out in the evening time, there's, like, cook supper time, and then all the way back to the beginning of the day, so Uh I like to control time, and the same with my environment, like, at this time, at this point in the day, I'm going to be doing this in this location in my house, um... So I really like to keep tabs on everything that's going on around me so that I'll be safe from interruption or, like, failure to meet a deadline or something. Mm -hmm. The other area that I thought of is relationships. Like, Mm. how how would I say this? Like, I don't want to make anybody notice me too much. Like, I want to be a really seamless part of people's lives. And so I really kind of find myself keeping up with the status quo instead of, like, reaching out and love to the people that I need to communicate with. Mm. I just kind of, like, try to meet expectations so that I don't hurt them, but also it's, like, controlling their opinion of me, I think. Hmm. Hmm. I love that. I was wondering how it was going to tie into control. Um, Huh. I don't know. Can you explain, like, what's being controlled or who's controlling what in that, like... You like feel like our, you're controlling your partner? 
No, what can I try to maybe interpret? Yeah. Were you saying that you show up in this status quo way with a friend just to kind of manipulate their situation enough that that friend has a good viewpoint of you? And that's the reason that you might reach out at certain times just to keep this kind of like the way this person is viewing you in the relationship. And so you're trying to control the relationship via that. I see now that what I said made it sound like I'm trying to meet expectations rather than exert control. Yeah. That's, it's so weird because it feels like I'm trying to make sure, I'm trying to keep anybody from, like, noticing me too much. Mm-hmm. That they're, like... That oh, they need you? That they're, like... Yeah, that they need me, or more that they're, like, offended that I haven't reached out to them. Mm. So I feel like I'm trying to just kind of... Keep things safe enough. Like go inside the parameters. Like, stay inside the parameters of expectations for relationships so that I don't have to deal with, like, their reaction. Like drama. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I get Okay, it. I think I understand what you're saying. Can now. I ask you a question about the first one? Time, yeah, and, yeah. time and space. How do you control time? Are you, like, using your phone? Do you, like, use a planner? Like, how, what, what does that look like to control time? Because I feel like, like, do you wear a watch all the time? Like, well, the clock in my living room really loudly I have a you know I have a big clock on uh-huh. the wall so I kind of look at that throughout the day yeah but you but you said you have your whole day planned out so is that like done in a planner oh no 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 in your it's head just in my mind okay I love it mm-hmm. okay cool I just know what needs to be happening when cool mm-hmm. okay sweet I love that okay <laughs> Okay. I, I mean, I can turn. try to go next if you need a little bit more time. No, okay. the one the one that jumps to mind first is pretty cliche, which would be like substance use to control my mood. Um, yep. and I feel like that's fairly like just habitual. Like I just have tea in the morning, and then I'll smoke some pot, and some point in the day, like I I have quite a few habits like that. Yep. That like I don't know. Thinking about it in my own life, I don't think I've thought a lot about it in the context of control, but I've heard a lot of other people talk about drug use in the context of control. So, I don't know. I'm not sure I've really put a lot of thought into that. But, uh, yeah, I think I think I want to be able to feel how I want to feel when I want to feel, maybe. And then, when you were talking about, or when you posed it as, like, maybe how you've controlled things in the past... Like, I didn't realize I was doing this when I was younger, but in reflecting, I can see that I was, like, very sort of standoffish when I was younger, and not standoffish. I was just scared of social interaction, and so I would do lots of, like, subconscious things to avoid interacting with people. Like, my body language was just very, like, downcast, and I would, like, sort of turn my back to people, or Mm -hmm. just, like, the way I would, like, turn a corner or whatever it would just be in a sort of di- nah, I don't know like dismissive isn't it wasn't targeted this wasn't like an aggression towards anybody I was just uncomfortable with interacting with people so it's like I think I was constantly moderating who I was interacting with just by body language and stuff mm-hmm. and I, it was very unconscious at the time but like looking back I'm like oh I was just I was hyper-controlling that aspect of my life because I was so uncomfortable with it. And I can sort of see that now. Like, there's still those kind of characteristics. Just my, like, unconscious behavior that I'm becoming more conscious of. And I can kind of see that's where it was coming from now. Um, 
I mean, those are the two things that come to mind really quick. Yeah. 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 Those are powerful good ones. How about you? Good. Yeah. Air quotes. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I think a lot of ways. I love that you guys only have two because I'm like, which of the 14 do I share? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a way that I control feeling because I feel like I really feel intensely most things is I will like if I start feeling something uncomfortable I oftentimes will like use food to control feeling um like as just a means to like feel okay or like oftentimes even in my head when I'm eating something I'll say something like I, like, am desiring joy so much. Like, I want joy so much, and I haven't experienced any joy today. And, like, a little cookie might do it, you know? Mm -hmm. It sounds crazy, but... um, So that... um, How else? I think a really big place that I control is um, Mm people-pleasing. And almost overgiving. Um, it's like the best way I know how to say it is that if I overgive or if I people please, then like, it's more than likely that people will never get mad at me. Um, and it can control the relationship Mm. and it can also control like, like me not having to deal with conflict or reaction. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do it to the detriment of my own health and well-being, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third is what I've been thinking about today, which is kind of how this idea got sparked, is um, me and Meg, we were on Whidbey Island. It's this beautiful island out here. If you live in the Pacific Northwest, you should go there. It's beautiful. Um, but we spent a few days out there, and we went to this place called Urban or Earth Sanctuary. It's this kind of... How would you describe it? Buddhist sanctuary? It was definitely Buddhist influenced, um, but it's like a nature preserve. Arboretum. Yeah, arboretum, but also like an art, like a statue park or something. Yeah, yeah um, that's a great way to describe it, yeah. I don't know. There's a word for it. Um, but yeah, it was just really peaceful and beautiful. And there were awesome. multiple places you could offer prayers um, and sit and meditate, so... It was a, a really peaceful evening. Yeah, it really was. But they had this medicine wheel that I partook in, and then Meg was saying some stuff. Do you want to speak to it? Because I really don't. I'd prefer not to put words in your mouth, but I can just quote the thing really quick and yeah. move on. Yeah, Okay. So I partook in the medicine wheel, and she chose not to, and so we were kind of talking about why she chose not to, and she was feeling just some... I think it made her, like, slightly uncomfortable for a few reasons. And one of the reasons that she said is because um, she feels like when she partakes in kind of ritualistic things that she starts feeling desperate and, like, she's trying to control something maybe within her spiritual life. Is that is that – or maybe just even life-life. Yeah, I think, like, once I start employing, oh, ritual, you know, like objects or repetition or something like that, I've suddenly started to – behave in like a sort of unnatural way that not a, an everyday behavior 
and then it's like, why am I doing this? I think yeah. I'm trying to like hmm. call something down, you know, like mm-hmm. totally I'm trying mm-hmm. to exert control on the, you know, the gods or something. Totally. Hmm. And when she said this, it's really struck me because I had just done it myself. So it had me kind of U-turn into my own experience. Did it feel like I was criticizing you? No, not at all. I'm just now realizing. No, like... it totally didn't. Um, in fact, I loved it because it, I had me pause and really say like, okay, what did you get from that? And, you know, what are your thoughts about the legitimacy of it? You know, and, um, and some really beautiful stuff came up, but. What it got me thinking is about this idea of control and how like we try to control things in our lives. And so today we were hiking and I just posed the question to myself in kind of silence as we were hiking, just like, what, you know, what are the things that you are using in your life to control? And something really hit me because I've been, I started therapy and my therapist and I have been kind of talking about certain things, as you guys know what you do in therapy. (laughs) hello and anyway so um one of the things that he's been working with me on is overthinking this like you know kind of this and I've been just like wow I've never really considered myself an overthinker or an overanalyzer um but him and I've been talking about it and so today I was like it was like this light bulb like somebody flipped the switch and I was like oh I totally overanalyze things as a way to control them. It like clicked something in my brain where I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. So I asked Meg, I was like, do you think thinking, if you think about stuff and you really try to figure stuff out, cause that's what I do. I'm like, I wanna know about this. And so I like will dig into it in my mind and on research on the computer or whatever. And I was like, do you think that thinking could be like a form of trying to control and and at first she was like, I'll let you. <laughs> I mean, my impulse is I want to say no, because, like, thinking is fun. It feels purposeful. Yeah. But uh, you continue to question. <laughs> and for me, it just feels like it definitely is. It definitely is. Like, I think about everything. Like, I think about everything. Like, if I say this, how will this person respond? How am I feeling? Um, if I do this, what will happen? Like I should do this. And how would I get there? I would have to do this. <laughs> like, I mean, my brain never stops. And I'm like, Oh, because if I think about things enough, there's safety on the other end. Right. I think that I'll be safe. Well, okay. I'm just wondering if it seems intuitive to me to think of control as like a negative thing. You know what I mean? It seems like the 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 pretext of all this is that, like these are flaws in our character. These are like the things yeah. that like we're insecure about, so we try to control them. But I don't know that that is like the has to be the default. And like this seems to be like something you're realizing is like, oh, this is something that can help me improve my life if I learn how to stop controlling. Like that seems to be implied. But, yeah. like, is it really a bad thing to w- seek control in your life? Like, I hear so many people trying to stop having so much control, but I wonder why. Like, why can't we just exert control over our lives? Does that make sense? Yeah, it like, totally does. And, like, what about this revelation you had? Like, what about that thinking seems detrimental in your life? Like, if it's controlling, 
if it's not causing you any problems and like maybe it's just a way that you like to manage your world you know i think it causes me lots of suffering and p.s our cat is in heat so So, (laughs) she's just the the cute background music of this podcast uh. um (laughs) (laughs) um i think it i think it causes me a lot of suffering unnecessary suffering like did it that suffering become any more clear in this reframing it as control like what about it you know what i mean like what is different about seeing the suffering in your thinking as a control issue well i think for me personally when i see something as like control it like it automatically i get the sense that it's it's for safety which to me just embarks upon this whole pathway of me having compassion for myself. If I understand that how I'm acting is just out of safety, which is like an evolutionarily, like an evolution, an evolutionary need, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Maybe since the beginning of time, it's like, I can be more gentle with myself. So having the, the realization of like, Oh, this overthinking is so that I could try to control something to be really safe. This whole realm of, like, I just want to hold myself mm-hmm. and be like, babe, this thing you've been beating yourself up about, about overanalyzing everything, mm-hmm. is actually something really beautiful that has helped you. Mm-hmm. And it makes me just, like, have this, like, loosened up, like, experience of it. Which mm-hmm. I believe, if we ever did want to change something for some mm-hmm. reason in our life, it must, like, I kind of think it, it has to come from that place. start with that, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, what comes to mind, I've thought, I've thought of overthinking and thinking in general as a form of procrastination for sure. Mm. So if you're, you know, I guess it's controlling, it seems controlling in that sense. If I think of it that way, because you can think about doing something and it takes all the risk out of actually doing it and potentially failing. So if you just sit and think about it and the possibility of failing or what might happen if you succeed, you don't actually have to like take the risk and put yourself in danger of the consequences, you know? So in that sense, I think I do a lot of thinking just because it's less risky than actually taking the leap in a lot of cases yeah. I don't know if that's control, but I think a lot of people, you know, I've had conversations with other friends about this. So like, it's it's easier to do a lot of planning and thinking than the actual act. I would say, like, control is a useful word in this conversation because it, like, basically we're saying if we act a certain way, we'll get a certain outcome. And to me, mm-hmm. that's... That meets the conditions for control, as, like, mm-hmm. the terminology that mm-hmm. we Totally. And so, like, pra- procrastination mm-hmm. would fit. Like, I want to feel safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think safety might be, like, the, the thing word. we're trying mm-hmm. to get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, procrastination feels safe. Um, you know, controlling your environment or totally. overthinking. You're like, I'm going to figure out a way. There's something on the other side of it. And so, like, just by behaving to try to get something else Mm -hmm. i feel like is exerting control Mm -hmm. and i love how you like it's not that like your goal is to not stop trying to control it's just to meet yourself on the other side yeah with compassion like yeah that's a good way i like that too yeah i think yeah for sure i mean it was naturally occurring like when it hit me 
it just kind of like can't you know it's like do you think that comes from practicing self-compassion like would you it's i love that that happened instead of saying oh my god kimberly look at yourself again <laughs> you are you're trying to you know you're trying to do something you're trying to make a deal here like Shoot. instead you're like i love you like i mean i don't i think it's from practice probably and also just like i'm really sick of being mean to myself you know? I'm sick of you being mean to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, babe. Thanks. <sighs> All right. Can I... I want to... This is backing up a bit, but... You were talking about overgiving. Yeah. It sounded like you were talking about moderating your giving earlier so that you don't set an expectation that you will mm. always give. Is that right? Because I, I still don't know if I quite understood what you were saying. Yeah, I mean, the outcome that I want is to just be, like, noticed, not, or unnoticed and pretty well regarded. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Like, yeah. Did my friendship duty for the day, now I don't have to, like, worry yes. about it anymore. Right. I mean, I was interpreting it maybe just through my own experiences, which is that, like, I don't want to set a precedent that I'm, like, you know what I mean? That, <laughs> yeah, like, totally. I'm always available and my time is, like, you know, open for anybody to take advantage of so it's like i think like i definitely am like protective of that and so i will maybe control relationships more like you whereas it sounds like you do the opposite i do the exact it's like you're you're like proactive so you set like a really high expectation by always being giving and generous to like avoid any it's like you're like preemptively avoiding drama Mm mm-hmm but, like, we're both, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's my life. Yeah. wonder what it is about, you know, that seems like a pretty powerful thing in all three of our lives. Like, well, why are relationships, like, the place? Hmm. Uh, like, other people, I might have to do something for them or yeah. suffer about them. Well, I think in my case, a lot of it goes back to what I was saying about being just uncomfortable with any social interaction, you know, since a very young age where it was like anything having to do with other people feels scary to me. So like the more I can sort of limit that, the less chance there is for, you know, scary, scary situations. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just maybe a byproduct of that where it's, like, I only have so much I can give in a social capacity, so I'm, like, just very protective about it. And, but, like, it does, like, I'm very aware, though, that, like, I have, like, permanently prevented myself from being expressive, even if I may feel, you know, like I want to tell somebody that I love them or, you know, I admire them or respect them. Like, I keep that shit really locked down just out of habit because it was a scary proposition that it would like bond me with somebody such that I would have to continue this sort of social, uh, I don't know, just giving in of myself in that way. That sounds familiar. Right. I think yeah. that I would probably be more alive yeah. in your way. Yeah. So like it's, it's tough because like looking at it now, I can see that like they're like, it, I I have some regret that, like, I haven't told people my thoughts about them as much as maybe I feel it inside, and then it, like, you know, limits my social 
network. But on the other hand, I don't have the resentment that Kimberly has because I, I've you know known you long enough now that like it it bothers you when pe- things aren't reciprocated. If you're totally. very generous and people don't even seem to acknowledge it, that totally. can lead to problems too. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. No, I mean I feel that way big time. I feel like. I feel like because it's for because it's for safety, that's different than coming from graciousness. Like when mm, I'm coming yes, from, I see. you know, when I'm coming from mm-hmm. safety, mm-hmm. I can very, very, very easily get resent, like get resentful, because I'm like I'm giving to you, and I don't really want to be, mm-hmm. and because I don't want to be, you owe me something, mm-hmm. you know. But, like, this week with Meg, or, like, often with you, mm-hmm. like, you know, sometimes it might build up, but, like, way less mm-hmm. than in other situations where I really want to give to these people because I feel like they give to me so much. And so, like, and that feels like it comes from a different place that doesn't lead to resentment. Mm-hmm. But my personality tends to definitely definitely try to control people through being really nice (laughs) yeah (laughs) and that's just like when you look at it it's like i really want them to be nice to me back like yeah yeah like a a motivation i think i just i just want people to like me like you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like it really is that simple um Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like i like am desperate for it but like like, I just want to do right by people, and, like, I want people to see that, and and I want to believe that in people as well, you know? I don't know. Sometimes I feel like the thing that I'm trying to control is just, like, meeting the requirements of, a like, a so-called good person. You know, like, I want to be good. Like, that's my motivation right now, which is still kind of like a selfish motivation, like... I don't know. That's some Thomas Merton stuff. Oh, I yes, you know? I've read that stuff by him. Yes, it's Where he's like, like I can never be humble because like to try is an act of like you know totally egocentrism or something. Hmm. Um, well, it's like we can't ever do anything without wanting to you know have our best interest like, in mind. Be okay as a result. Of I that. feel like the only time science has proven that different is when someone's life is about to be seriously hurt. People will do acts of like pulling them out from a car or. Like, that, I've heard of stories, but... Like, people putting their life, lives in the past. When somebody's li- other's life is at risk. Mm. Whereas I feel like that's never one first happened to me, except for once, I think. Um, and so every other thing that's ever been in my <laughs> life, there has to be, like, a... Like, I don't know, like, what? Maybe uh, 25%, like, chance that it's coming from selfishness. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I'm still, I think I'm just con- like mulling this over again as like, why does this have to be seen Bad. as a negative thing? Like, well, I mean, I mean, the obvious answer is that like our society teaches you that. What? That like, if you aren't controlled, then you are doing it wrong. I think maybe it's like we think of control. Like, in this conversation, yeah. it's, it's predicated on control being bad. I think it's because control ultimately is futile. Like, if you really think about it. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, like, a really grand arc. Right. Yeah. But yeah. you can make people like you by yeah. doing a bunch of stuff. 
<laughs> yeah. But in the end, will you achieve the safety that you want? Uh, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't really think we're here to be safe. So I don't really believe in the whole thing, but... <laughs> I mean, I think, yes, in a, in a big grand sense, trying to control things is futile. But I don't think that that means you shouldn't try to... You know what I mean? Like, what else are you going to do? <laughs> well, I think, I think <laughs> right? maybe the word is like, why couldn't you try? Because, like, I don't know if shouldn't, because that invokes that, like, you know, it might be better that way. But, like, could. I just, yeah. I just mean that, like, uh, this is pretty cliche, but it's like, okay, a little kid wants to be, like, a professional athlete or a rock star. He really doesn't have a lot of control over that happening. You know, in the grand scheme, like, you know, he, I don't know. But Something think- could happen where he just, like, his, fi- he, his fingers, <laughs> I don't know, Tommy Caldwell, like, broke off, you know, chopped off his finger, and he's a rock climber, and he managed oh. to, like, continue rock climbing as, like, the best rock climber in the world, but uh, there's just, like, injuries that can happen that prevent you from pursuing the, you know, there's these unpredictable yeah. things that, like, you just, you don't have control over mm-hmm. maybe what you want to achieve in this life, and yeah, so in that sense, it's futile, but, like, I still feel like... What just what else are you gonna do? Like you have to at least sort of have some structure to your life. I mean, uh, I, don't know. I don't know. I I feel like a little bit two ways about this. Like it kind of that kind of to me is you saying that life has this timeline, mm-hmm. right? And like I don't know. It feels like a, there's like time connected to what you're saying, which is like that some that things are happening and we need to control it so that things keep happening or something i just i don't know maybe because i don't i think how i feel is like what if you you really weren't trying to control everything now Mm -hmm. granted i'm just starting to think about this like literally within the last 24 hours so Mm -hmm. bear with me but it's like if you weren't controlling anything and you were walking through the earth and you were really just present with whatever was here Mm -hmm. in this moment and, like, it may not be the path that makes you the most money. It may not be the path, but it could be because, you know. Do you think that there would be, it seems like good in, in many instances to try a little bit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will always wonder, like, okay, if I am really, if I really just commit to being present, mindful in the present <laughs> moment, like, is there within that still some try? Like, because mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever been there. I feel like maybe you have. Like, is there still motivation within this total presence that is not defined by control? Is control the same as motivation? I yeah, you know, I love that because so recently, as I get deeper and deeper into Buddhism, it feels like. Can you ask the question again so I can hear the the wording you used? So. You're saying, like, what if you could just walk this earth present, yeah. not trying to control? Yeah, yeah, Would there still be things that you would try at? Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, so trying, right? So Buddha really talks about how in order to start anything, you have to have a desire to start that thing, right? Which is which evokes trying. Mm-hmm. Um, and... He says, though, as you gain wisdom through practicing and walking the path, that what you realize is, is if you know you're trying, then you can let it go. 
So you have, like, you can know, so there's a difference in just feeling this desire and going after it, like, and kind of like, you know, sometimes when I've gone after desire, at least, I've steamrolled things in the pathway, you know? It doesn't always, like, I'm not Mm -hmm. always thinking about people, or I'm not, I'm kind of just going after this thing, and so the Buddha talks about that, like, everything has to start from desire, and that will continue, because that's part of human nature. Human nature, part of human nature is desire, and there's a difference between literally being controlled by desire and knowing that desire is arising and being able to choose, do I want to act upon that desire? And there's something in that pause and choice that gives people freedom. Mm-hmm. And, and I have felt that, presence, that shit. Yeah. That's what presence is. Yeah. Or mindfulness, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I have experienced that. But it's rare. <laughs> um, this is maybe, I don't know changing the direction a bit but i thought more about like the idea that it has a time constraint Mm. so you started talking about buddhism and i was just thinking like as a contrast to that okay i feel like like buddhism non-attachment that is very much like give up control don't be attached to anything because you know it'll eventually go away or you know there's no point in trying to control stuff because it's all temporary etc etc at the highest level yeah yeah and i would say like sort of the modern christian narrative is teleological in comparison Mm -hmm. in in that it sees like like, here's the creation of the world by God, and here's sort of how yeah. it ends with Jesus coming back. Yeah. And he, also within an individual's life, it's very much like you're born and you're baptized, and then you f- are judged and you end up in one afterlife or another. So it's very much like there is sort of is so a particular end that yeah. you're headed towards. And I feel like that does imply desire which implies control you know what i mean whereas if you don't have any direction that your life or the universe in general is headed why would you desire it any you know why would you desire anything in your life over another because it's all just like going in random directions directions infinitely as compared to like a teleology where it's like you start here you end up here totally and you want to stay within that path wow yeah that's cool so uh, I haven't thought about it in a time-related way in that way. Well, it's just a directional way. Totally. Whereas I think all of us... Well, that's not true. I mean, you, obviously, as like a Buddhist teacher, that is, you know, it's the opposite. It's like, just accept what is and don't, you know... But I have I have a lot of Christian influence, too. Right, that's why I say. I mean, both of... Well, all yeah. of us probably of come yeah. from a Christian tradition yeah. and have sort of shed it in some capacity or another but transformed it (laughs) yeah so are you saying that when you have this linear or teleological that's one of those words Mm -hmm. i can never remember um ontological i don't know like i've looked them up so many times (laughs) anyway so if you have you know a beginning a middle and end rather than you know, yeah. many lifetimes. Totally. Or, right. you know, There's right. nowhere to all get. All of the bars fall away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You have really strict bars. Does that... So you're saying, like, those conditions are what create desire, like... I think a so. A view of time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, 
Why would anybody strive to be like moral in the eyes of God if there wasn't a story that Jesus is going to come back and, you know, the, or I don't, I don't honestly remember how it ends, but it's like you separate the sheep from the wolves, you know, in revelations and the sheep go to heaven. And and so it's like, well, if you have this very clear thought of where things are headed, now you have a story with which to base desires on. Totally. And without that story, like without a narrative arc, you're just like, well, this seems to be happening. Like, you know what I mean? There's not like, there's no, there's no explanation of what's going on around you in reality. And it's, it's, it's like interesting because it's almost like Buddhism also says that there are desires and let's work with them this way so they don't control us, right? Well, Whereas the Christian, it seems like, to have the desire, like they want that desire to control you toward a certain destiny. I think, yes. I mean, I feel like where those desires are coming from also differs in those two traditions. Right? I would say, like, the Buddhist tradition is saying that, like, the biological body has desires, whereas it seems like the Christian tradition... I'm coming at this probably more negatively than I am the Buddhist tradition, but, but I feel like it's much more that like, you know, there's, we're made in God's image and you try to fulfill that cardboard cutout. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and it's not so much like the desires within Buddhism that you're, that you're sort of working with are much more just like, you know, man's got to eat. You got, you know, like you have an appetite as a, product of your biology so are you talking about the desire or like the context of the desire i don't know i'm not sure what you mean well because i think that at least in i think maybe as i'm looking at this all of them are saying that it's human nature to have desire i don't think yeah i don't think you can be a human without desire right and they both just offer two different approaches within which to work with it. This one says, mm-hmm. if you work with it in this way, it will lead you to heaven. Mm-hmm. This one says, if you work with it with this way, it will go away. And then you won't have to suffer from those desires. Right, right. right. And it's like, it seems like both are kind of like, these exist as part of human nature. Mm-hmm. Choose how you want to deal with them. I don't know. That's I don't I, know. I don't know. I don't know. Either. I mean, saying in the first case that you're you're doing this to get into heaven, like, is that a product of human nature or is that like the divine nature within our humanity? You know what I mean? Like, I think it. I just feel like within within Buddhism, the suffering that you're trying to alleviate takes place within this lifetime. And the suffering you're trying to alleviate mm, okay, with an afterlife is beyond that sort of tempor- like temporal constraint, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, it's all kind yeah. of semantics at a certain point. It, I think but, it is. Like, I think that that's, that's correct. Um, it's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to think about, like... I love that we're talking about desire, because I feel like... It's like, I didn't expect it to go this way. Even though when I think of the word control and desire together, they seem very... Mm-hmm. They're related. They're very related. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I kind of love that. Like, I'm like, huh. It's mm-hmm. almost like it reminds me of, like, the thing that we love the most is the thing that we're most tortured by. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure seems like it. It does, right? <laughs> it's like, wait. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's definitely the component of desire, and then there's also... I, the opposite of that too which is i guess that is desire like avoiding discomfort i guess yeah. that, that's a desire as well totally um i think so yeah all right i wonder what makes us think though like i mean why is there some cosmic truth at play that like these religions are teaching us we should cease desire right but like in regular life if you desire not to be hungry, you can eat and get uh-huh. a result. You know, like it's totally. almost like biology is not at home or consciousness is not at home within biology. biology. I don't know if consciousness is the right mm-hmm. place to put all this blame, you know, like who's doing all this controlling, but mm-hmm. they seem at odds, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that completely. Mm-hmm. I'm very, I want to think about that more. It's kind of a restatement of my same question as always which is why I don't know if I'm going to be able to say it like why inside I don't think I can say it oh you gotta you gotta try you gotta work through it I'm so curious you're just at odds with yourself all the time like why do you Why is your nature to get things and fight things, like, and grip on, and then it seems like the only way to find spiritual peace is to let go, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I totally do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it, it, again, just, like, it's the implication that control is negative, I think, is coming from that, like... For some reason, all the spiritual traditions since the beginning of time have sort of implied, whether explicitly or not, to, like, let it all go. And so I think everybody, or at least, I don't know, I just have this idea that control is a bad thing. And I mean, I think even desire is a bad thing in our culture. I really think, it's like marketing, you wouldn't think that that was a bad thing, like, right? Like, buy this, buy that, mm-hmm. buy this, buy that. But our culture, I think, does teach you, like, you know, if, you know, if you're a Christian and you desire to have sex and you're not married, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is bad. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, it's like in Buddhism, if you are a Buddhist and you want to eat meat, that is bad. It's immoral, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like... It's interesting that control is kind of seen badly and desire is kind of seen badly. But when I think about them, they feel almost opposing each other. Well. But I think that they're this Anyway, they're the same. Yeah. <laughs> they're the same. <laughs> I still just am not sold that it has to be seen so negatively. Like Totally. I, like, I get that we don't ultimately have control over anything and I'm... I don't know. I get that sort of big idea, but also I feel like I'm in this human body. I have these desires and goals and like what's, I don't know. It sort of seems like the point now that I'm here in this body is like, I just don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know either, but, like, when you're talking about it, I can, like, almost see this, like, flat playing field where, like, everything is, like, just occurring uh-huh. in the universe. And, like, at moments, we're desiring. At moments, we're questioning desiring. And it's, like, they all kind of coexist here. And, like, all of it is okay. Just know what's coming up now. You know, mm-hmm. it's, like... Like, all of these mm-hmm. things are shifting and changing and moving, and, like, none of them are actually very stable or, mm-hmm. like... And it's, like, at any moment, how things might work. I'm getting way out there right now, you guys. <laughs> I'm going way out there. It's, like, there's something that, like, I can physically almost experience that, like, none of it matters. Yeah. Just know what's here right now. It doesn't matter if you... Like, it's... The good and bad don't exist, like all these things are just like see it and like because the buddha always says like if something's bad just know it's bad mm-hmm. like sure it's not that complicated you don't have to do anything about it mm-hmm. you know you don't have to fix it just know it's bad it, i kind of love that yeah it just occurred to me now too that like any not any but it seems like desires are based off of past experiences of good things like and I think that can be somewhat limiting, maybe, where it's like, okay, you had this, I don't know, maybe high school was real good for you or something. <laughs> and then, like, you just try to keep reliving, like, totally. high school-type experiences because that's what gave you satisfaction in the past, you know? Totally. And maybe in that way, you limit yourself from having, like, new, more fulfilling experiences. Yep. Um... I mean, I, I feel like that's... I feel like you're fighting a case for presence. <laughs> what do you mean? For being present. Like, I'm pitching a case yeah. for it? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, yeah. I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking that, like... I'm trying to justify why it might be a negative thing. Like, controlling yeah. stuff. And that, that occurs to me. That, like, oh, yeah, it's maybe not the best to just keep wanting to relive, like, that one hit you had. You know? <laughs> um whatever uh no totally i love that you're playing devil's advocate with yourself (laughs) (laughs) so good it's so good um okay well are we are we done i think so yeah i think so okay um thank you guys so much super good um okay well if you love this podcast i don't know share it if you really loved it, you could go over to iTunes and rate and review this podcast. Besides that, 